صباح الخير جود مورنينج دير ليسنرز يو ليسنينج تو راديو 3 سي ار اون 855 اي Palestine Remembered is Australia's only English language radio program that is totally dedicated to Palestine. We'd like to welcome those listening on 855 and those that will join us on podcast at 3cr.org.au. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Good morning, listeners. Good morning, Yusuf. Good morning, Nasser. Morning, Roberto. How is everybody? Yeah, very good. That's all. Now, what, what have we got on today? Um, we've got a, a fantastic guest live from Palestine. Yes, Yunus Arar, uh, who will bring us an inside story of a Palestinian under occupation, in particular, people of Hebron and from his hometown, Beit Omar. Just, just on Yunus, too. I was lucky enough to spend a number of days with him, and he gave me some fantastic tours. So, and, great man. And also tell me about uh, the view. Well, the view, we should actually try and get a picture of his view. Sitting on his back um, patio, having a cigarette and a coffee, looking down. The best view I've ever seen in my entire life. And I've seen a couple of views. So we'll try and get that view on oh, the... Oh, looking, uh, yes. The, and what else have we got, Nasser? Um, we're going to speak about the expulsion, the illegal expulsion of the Abu Asab family, Hatam Abu Asab, this family who's lived in their home... Since high, 1952. ...in East Jerusalem. And we might just kick off with that because the, the, the parallel, mm. the illegal or the Israeli legal system hmm. said that the original owners of that land, uh, of that house, were Jewish. And that in during the Nakba, during 1948, um, those Jews fled East Jerusalem and ended up in West Jerusalem. Hmm. And the descendants of those families, they made an application to the Israeli Supreme Court and ultimately were given uh, the right to take the, their home back. And I'm using their and, and uh, you know... In, Quotation between, between brackets. Yeah, so 70 years later, they were able to get their home back. Now, this is a, a wonderful application of the only democracy in the Middle East's legal system that enabled the repatriation of people expulsed, expelled from their home. But the Abu Asab family were expelled, ex, uh, expelled excuse me, from West Jerusalem. Hmm. Now, in a let's normal apply, democracy... Let's apply the same... Legal system. Legal system. In, in, in a purely a pure democracy where everyone was equal in the eyes of the law, mm. where everyone, uh, regardless of race, colour, um, religion, was treated equally, mm. as one expects in a democracy, mm. that Abu Asab family could make a claim upon the home that they were expelled from. Mm. And that would be equal and equality. Instead, what we have is another uh, glaring example of the apartheid system. Now, Yusuf, you and I spoke before off, uh, off, um, off microphone of the pain, mm. the anguish of hearing a grandmother who's raised her children and grandchildren uh, in a home for 70 years, all the memories ripped mm. in, in, in an instant. Mm. And when we talk about it, you know, 70 years is, you know, 28,000 days, hundreds of thousands That's of four hours. four generations. The soldiers come, and you're out of the house in minutes, mm. and everything is left behind. And that was, uh, like you said, Nasser, uh, we were talking about you know covering Palestine for 15 years, 
makes you sometimes numb in in a way that you can detach yourself from the horror and brutality of the news item and be able to present the content with a little bit of um, impartial way. But it, uh, news like this gets you. It's, 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 it's incredible. Imagine, mm. imagine that being your grandmother. Imagine that being your mother. These people mother, get yeah. out of the house and they've got nowhere to go. They don't mm. get given other accommodation. They just get told to leave. It's, it's horrific. You know what said, uh, Robert? Uh, Hatem Abasab, the owner of the house, um, at the end of that day, uh, he posted on his Facebook uh, this sentence. If anyone could uh, recommend a place uh, to rent, that would be appreciated. It's it's just unbelievable, unbelievable, where um, he was driven out, kicked out, beaten out from his house with his family members to the streets. And um, when he tried to stop police from entering and breaking into the house, he was beaten up brutally. And with, when his son, Mahdi, tried to protect his father, he was beaten up. And then they both were arrested for trying to prevent police from uh, doing uh, its job. So Israel can be creative in how to phrase it or rephrase it the way they say it. And it, But it's, it, it, comes d- it comes down to one simple point, one basic point, uh, basically ethnic cleansing, ethnically cleansing the Arabs from Palestine, especially Jerusalem, in favor of recently arriving Jewish settlers. And that's what's happening black and white apartheid. Well, we're going to see a lot more of them, Yusuf. I think particularly with the election coming up mm. and in um, Sheikh Jarjah neighborhood, there is something of the order of 200 eviction notices pending through the courts. Mm. You know, and this is part of the slow ethnic cleanse. You're remembering that in 1948, three quarters of the indigenous population of Palestine was ethnically cleansed. And in 1967, and famously Benny Morris, you know, said that the six-day war was, you know, about 100 days too quick that we were, the tanks moved quicker than the evacuation buses, mm. that um, we never actually got the chance to clean the West Bank like we needed to. The slow <coughs> ethnic cleanse of the remaining parts of historic Palestine is ongoing. Mm. Whether that's making Gaza uninhabitable, or whether it's making the West Bank, Hebron, um, Nablus inhospitable, the reality is we are seeing a slow ethnic cleanse. The Nakba is ongoing. Mm. Yeah. Like you said, uh, Nasser, uh, because of the upcoming uh, elections in Israel, the candidates are auctioning. You know, it's like an auction. You know, I'll kill more Palestinians in Gaza. Mm-hmm. And the other guy will say, like, I'll kick, I'll kick more Palestinians mm-hmm. from Jerusalem. And then I will freeze the fund uh, to PA. <laughs> I'll starve them to death. And then it will be like, you know, an auction. Who, and, and, and the higher the bid, the more popular, the more votes uh, you can get. So, Nasser and Robert, before we move on to our uh, next uh, guest, uh, let's bring the listeners some real atmosphere from the Nakba day of Abu Asab family, not their first Nakba. Uh, Real footage uh, recorded from the eviction day um, by the Jerusalemite uh, journalist Noel Hijazi. Stay with us.
This is what Hatim's mother said. There is no justice. They attacked me. They attacked us when we tried to save Hatim from their hands. They were brutal. They were about to shoot him. They bashed him. We don't know what happened to Hatim and the kids. They drove us by force into the streets. They attacked everybody. Israeli police forcibly removed us. This is uh, what uh, Hatim Abu Asab's wife said immediately after being expelled from her house. They destroyed me. They destroyed my life. They took everything I have. All my life is here. All my life is in this house overlooking the Dome of the Rock. I've lived all my life here. I've lived all my life in front of Al-Aqsa. I've lived all my life in Jerusalem. How can I leave Jerusalem? I've lived all my life here. This is my house. This is my life. They took my home. They took everything in my life. is Yunus Arar from Beit Ummar, Palestine. Stay with us. Okay, we're very excited to have Yunus Arar with us from Beit Ummar in Palestine, just outside of Hebron. Good morning, Yunus. Good morning, good morning, uh, Yusuf. And Nasser and Robert. And Robert. And, and all of our listeners at Palestine. Remember. And Nasser and Nasser and Robert, of course. Good morning to all of you. Fantastic. Yunus, can you um, first tell us about um, where you are, what it's like in uh, Beit Omar, um, and how close you are to Hebron? Give us a bit of a, a scene today. What is it like? I'm from Beit Omar town. It's uh, eight kilometers to the, to the north of Hebron city. Uh, and Beit Omar is part of Hebron district. It comes in the middle between Hebron and Bethlehem, actually. And uh, colonization, the illegal colonization, has started in Beit Umar in 1967. The first colony was built on parts of Beit Umar land, was uh, the second day following the occupation of the rest of Palestine in 1967. It was called Kfar Etzion. And now it has become a colonial block, many colonies. So in that area, for example, to the north of Betumar, we have Faristion, Bait Ain, Northwest, uh, Lazar, uh, Frat, uh, Daniel, 
uh, and to the south we have uh, Karmetsur. So we are they're, they're all large settlements town. too. We we are surrounded by uh, six to seven colonies surrounding Petumar from all sides, and uh, the choice of colonists uh, it depends on how important this area for them to ideological uh, connections. So uh, if the ideological connection in this area is very strong, that's what they think, then the type of colonists they put here are very extreme colonists and willing to kill always, and willing to attack uh, Palestinian citizens and farmers uh, constantly, for example, there is a colony to the southwest of Betumar, uh, northwest of Betumar, it's called Baitain. Uh, these people, uh, they are very extreme. They are from India, by the way, Indian Jewish. From India? And they have, yes, and they have settled this place uh, in 2001 or two, something like this. Uh, so one day, a father and his son from my town, they went to cultivate their land adjacent to that colony, to that illegal colony. And while they were cultivating the land, suddenly uh, a group of uh, terrorist colonists uh, approached the area, opened fire at the father and his son. Uh, the father was not harmed. The son was shot right in the head and was killed. And he was just 14 years old. His name is Yusuf. A few minutes later, uh, Zionist occupation soldiers has approached, has reached the area after they heard the shooting. They have uh, arrested the colonists, and guess what? The colonists were uh, released after uh, two hours, and there were there was no more legal procedures were taken against them whatsoever. Absolutely horrific. I was going to uh, highlight that in general, the type of settlers in Hebron in general is internationally known to be probably the worst type of settlers. The most uh, fanatical. The yeah. most fanatical, the most ideological driven. Could you please shed some light on the type of settlers that Hebron gets? So I was just going to say to our listeners, the people that may have seen photos where they've seen these settlers walking down with their linen outfits on and they have an M16 or an Uzi around their, around their shoulders. And these are the ones that will walk around and they'll intimidate, they'll spit, they'll do all of these horrible things to the Palestinians and they're protected by the IDF as well. Well, we should remember, um, uh, and Eunice knows too well, that you know, there's 200,000 people in Hebron and its yeah. municipality, 500 of these settlers protected by between two and 5,000 Jewish soldiers that um, they've taken over the, the uh, Shehuda Street um, only in the past week, they've expelled Defence for Children International, who were accompanying children to make sure that they could get to school safely. Um, the most vilest and disgusting of Israeli colonialist settlers are in the Hebron, Hebron Hills, and in particular in Hebron, the city centre. Um, and uh, this is the the sort of mentality that got us Baruch Goldstein, who um, went into the Ibrahim Mosque and uh, killed twenty nine people. Just just going back to who did they expel, Nasser? What, what, what is the, the place called? Did they walk these children to school to protect them? Yeah, defense, but Israel has expelled them. Defence for Children International. That is international NGO. Unbelievable. It just shows the, the heinous. In, in the old time of Hebron, there's uh, Shohad Street, Tal going through uh, Salama neighbourhood, Jabber, Jabari, Wad Hussain. 
and this area is the most targeted by Zionist occupation uh, entity and colonists. And these colonists are drived and funded by uh, Zionist occupation ministers and parliament members. So they are empowered. They have the power in their hands. And these people, uh, by the way, they are mostly they are Americans. And uh, they always celebrate and call to kill Palestinians. And there was, uh, while you were talking now, about uh, the Ibrahimi Mosque massacre that was in 1994. I was still a student in uh, Vietnam University at that time. And very early in the morning, during uh, uh, morning prayer, Palestinians, they were praying inside the Ibrahimi Mosque. And, and uh, Baruch Goldstein uh, stormed the, the mosque. He's a doctor, by the way, a physician. And opened fire at them while they were praying. And later, they have built a shrine for him yeah. mm. next to the Ibrahimi Mosque. So basically and what you are saying, Yunus, that uh, this, this murderer is not only that he, uh, even if he lived, he would have gotten away with his crime, but he is celebrated. He is being celebrated. Yes, 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 yes. Now, inside the heart of the old town of Al-Khalil, Al-Khalil city, Hebron, about 500 colonists are living there, and they have every possible facility and service provided free to them by the Zionist occupation uh, entity or government, whatever you like to call it. And these people, they are all armed. They are armed, and uh, of course they are considered as citizens, but actually they give instructions to the soldiers. Yeah. And this does not happen anywhere else in the whole world, where soldiers receive instructions from the the what's so called citizens. Yeah, yeah. civilians. Yeah. yeah. Just when, when I was in and, Hebron, you could actually see the soldiers being told by the settlers. You could actually see the arrogance, and so it's all plain to see. So, yeah, yeah, this is true. And this or this place, it has about one hundred uh, military checkpoints and roadblocks. So roadblocks, uh, it separates, uh, for example, uh, Palestinian neighborhoods from each other, separates Palestinian houses from each other, separates uh, Palestinian uh, facilities from each other, uh, and uh, so on. In addition to the fences that surround the whole area, and it's all monitored by cameras everywhere. So every breath in that area is counted. I want you to elaborate on the freedom of movement of Palestinian, the landowners of Hebron, because I know that international uh, activists or even tourists can move more freely in Hebron than the people of Hebron. The roadblocks and military checkpoints were placed and put in order to restrict Palestinian movement, uh, generally speaking. So no one Palestinian living inside that area will be able to go in and out without being inspected or stopped, including Palestinian school children, uh, boys and girls. Their, their uh, bags, uh, what would they have inside their bags? Uh, other than, uh, you know, coffee pots, uh, pencils, pens. But they are inspected on a daily basis, in and out, every day. And for our school children, 
uh, they have to be escorted by their families every day because they are so scared during the past three years just in this closed area inside this small area uh, more than 32 Palestinian teens and children were executed at military checkpoints inside the closed area mm. And there is a famous uh, case where uh, it was caught on camera. Abdel Fattah Sharif. Abdel Fattah Sharif yeah. was caught on camera. Mm-hmm. Not only Abdel Fattah Sharif. There is another one who was caught on camera. He was executed by a colonist. Then an knife was planted next to him. Mm-hmm. It was very clear and very well seen. And uh, people should uh, remember that Abdel Fattah Sharif was already injured or neutralized in military terms before he was killed. And that the soldier, who, the soldier who shot him point blank in the head, Elor Azaria, received only 14 months in jail. Half of it was suspended, was smiling. He's already part yeah. of the election campaigns. And Ahad Tamimi got nine months for a slap. Uh, Elor Azaria, he has become a celebrity. National hero. They have collected in donations uh, hundreds, of, hundreds of thousands of shekels for him. And he was celebrated and he was brought back to Shuhada Street after he was uh, released. A big party was made for him in the place where he has executed Abdul Fattah Sharif and his friend. Because there was another guy who was uh, executed with Abdul Fattah Sharif. Yani, give us a, a snapshot of your daily life. What, what are you doing now? What's your occupation? How do you go about your life, your family? I was working in Hebron. Now I'm, I'm, I'm working in Ramallah. So uh, I woke up early morning. And, of course, I have to go through uh, a military checkpoint at the entrance of my town. It was there since 1988, and it's uh, growing day by day. And then I have uh, to go from uh, Betumar through uh, a colonial block. And this colonial block, the, uh, it's called Road 60. It goes in the middle. It can be blocked in front of us whenever they, whenever they want any second they want. So uh, the road from Ramallah, from Betumma to, to Ramallah, it could take me four hours one way. And uh, from after I cross this colonial block, I have to go through another major uh, military checkpoint called uh, the container. We call it the container because it started with a container. Now it has become a big uh, military checkpoint. Uh, and of course, we have to be inspected. Then uh, going through to Al-Aizariya through another colonial block called Ma'ale Adumim uh, colonial block then to uh, drive uh, towards Ramallah uh, going uh, through another uh, colonial block at Jaba uh, another military checkpoint at Jaba then another military checkpoint at Kalandia until I reach my workplace so how long does this and, take this you? Is the daily thing I have to wake up at 5.30 in the morning considering these military checkpoints and roadlocks. So uh, it takes me uh, three hours. Yeah. But, of course, if a, if a soldier is bored at one of these military checkpoints and uh, he wants to, you know, to enjoy his time, if he will start to humiliate Palestinians. He will block the military checkpoint in front of us and then will start inspecting one by one and giving all the orders, uh, insulting people, so in two minutes, you will have thousands of Palestinian cars in a row waiting to cross to the other side because this soldier is bored. He wants to practice his power and he's bored. Mm. 
and it happens often. It happens very often, every day, almost every day. Uh, Yunus, uh, speaking with you about the inside story of people under occupation can take um, basically hours, not just minutes. But I want to end this insightful interview by a question about uh, hate because um, Australian mainstream media sometimes speak about that the um, Palestinians are spreading hate whether to their children or through school textbooks or and and uh, now they want to mobilize the international opinion to punish Palestinians uh, because they support their families of prisoners and the families of martyrs under the pretext of promoting hatred while the international community turns a blind eye to the hatred, the real hate that uh, we see from uh, settlers and soldiers. So could you please uh, say something about that? If Jews around the world and inside Palestine do love their executor, the Nazis, we will love them. Now, we are being killed. Our land is being stolen. Our properties are being stolen. Uh, our movement is restricted. Uh, they are starving us, destroying our economy. Uh, we have 700 military checkpoints dismembering West Bank. Colonial block, colonial uh, housing units are building on our land on daily basis, kidnapping us, uh, putting us in jails. Uh, collective punishment on every Palestinian locality and community. If all these military procedures does not drive hate, I don't know, would it drive love? I don't think so. Now, people who were under occupation did not fight occupation, mainly in the West, and they were colonized by the Nazis at the time. And I do not think that they fought against the Nazis with uh, love and flowers. Mm. And they, they are asking now, they are asking us now to accept. And, you know, we have accepted to fight using nonviolence resistance. We are asked to submit. We are the only occupied people on earth. We are under occupation. We are suppressed. And we are asked to provide security for those who occupy us. For those occupying yeah. us. Can you imagine this, uh, this mm. irony? It's this a sickening situation, Eunice. I just, just want to finish up. I was just wondering if you could have got a, a one-minute wrap that you can speak to our listeners, a message to our listeners. We are people under occupation. This is the only occupation on earth now. We are the only people occupied on earth. And all we are asking for is independence and freedom. And this is not too much to ask for. Uh, everyone, uh, the whole world is talking about justice and human rights. And this is exactly what we are asking for. When Yasser Arafat went to the United Nations in 1974, there was a big uh, Zionist Jewish protest asking Arafat to go home. And he told them, this is exactly why I have come here. I want to go home. Correct. It's one of the best answers we ever. Want, we want our freedom. And this is not too much to ask for. We are using nonviolent resistance against one of the most brutal, brutal occupation in the history of mankind. We are gradually, it's a gradual genocide. It's, it's, uh, it's ongoing for 70 years. Mm. We need people all over the world to understand and to know that we are 
peacemakers. We are calling for justice. And this occupation has to come to an end because this occupation is jeopardizes international security, hmm. not just security in the Middle East. My last sentence is those taxpayers, mainly in some Western countries like America and some Western country, whose money are paid to their government to uh, make their lives better, you have to know that part of your country uh, comes to support an occupation entity that kills Palestinians. Your money is killing us. During 80s, you have stood by South Africa in their fight, in their just fight against South African uh, apartheid regime. Now, you are asked to do the same. BDS. It's the same fight. What you have done during the 80s for South Africa, you should do in favor of Palestinians against an occupation entity, so-called Israel. Thanks so much, Yunus. We appreciate your time. And uh, again, that was Yunus Arar from Beit Omar in occupied West Bank, Palestine. And we'll definitely be back with uh, more interviews uh, with you, Yunus, in the future. Thanks so much. Thank you. It's It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. And that was Yunus Arar. Thanks for listening to us, and we look forward to speaking to you again next week. Salam.